Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Good morning, Montrose Church. How are you? Good morning, good morning. Can you hear me okay? My name is Colton. I'm the high school pastor here, and you probably know me by now. And I'm excited to be preaching this morning. We're going through the Lent series, uh, A Time to Heal. And as you know, we continue to pray for Pastor Dave and um, his mom and that whole situation. Um, We're really thinking of him this morning. And Pastor Dave asked me on Wednesday if I could preach this week, and I said, yes, absolutely. And I immediately thought of the baseball um, analogy of, hey, bring in the right-hander. Bring in the closer, right? Last minute, here we go. Um, but I'm excited to be here. We're going to talk about some cool things this morning. I think God has a lot to say to us um, this morning. And so Lent is a time of healing and remembering. And if you know the season of Lent, you know that it mirrors Christ's um, journey into the wilderness before his ministry. Um, he's out into the ministry, and he um, faces some temptation from Satan. And he overcomes that, and then he um, starts his earthly ministry and to do some incredible things. And so a lot of times it's a time of fasting for us. We give up something, maybe it's sweets or maybe it's soda, whatever it might be. And so, hey, I don't know if you gave up anything for Lent, but if you did, I want to encourage you this morning and say, keep going. You can do it. You can do it. Uh, We still got a little ways to go, but you can do it. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of times we, we fast something. But we not only fast something, but many times we'll add something to our journeys, this journey of Lent. So we'll add a time of, of focusing on Scripture daily or maybe a prayer time or maybe a devotional time, all kinds of different cool things like that. So if you haven't, um, you know, fasted something, I encourage you to maybe add something um, during this journey of Lent. And so it's a time of fasting. It's also a time of healing, right? This is our sermon series, A Time to Heal. It's a time to heal as we journey and are on our way to the moment of ultimate healing, right? The cross and the resurrection. We're on the journey to that. And so we focus on healing and how Christ can heal us as a church. And this morning's title is Healing for Our Hangups. Healing for Our Hangups. The definition of hangups from dictionary.com is this a source of annoying difficulty, a burden, or a snag. So, church, do you have any burdens that you're carrying with you this morning? Do you have any snags in your life, something from the past that's holding you down and holding you back? I don't know what it is this morning for you, but I want to tell you this is that you brought it to the right place. We know that God is here in this place and in your home working, and he wants healing for his people. So I hear this text, hear this text from Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. This is Jesus talking. Um, and I think this is him talking to us today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And church, I just want us to sit in that space a little bit this morning. 
before we go any further. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants to give us rest this morning. We want healing from our hang-ups, from the past that holds us back, those things that rear their ugly heads so often. We want healing from that. We want Jesus to transform us. So I pray that we can bring all, everything that we're dealing with, all the stuff as Scott brought up, all the burdens and all those things to Jesus this morning. And hey, maybe you're listening to that and you're saying, hey, Cole, I had a perfect week. Everything was perfect. It was incredible. And I'm excited for you. That's awesome. And guess what? This sermon is for you too. So don't try to slip out the room. Um, This sermon is for you too. Um, I'm really believing through the Holy Spirit that this sermon is for all of us this morning. So the text for this morning is 1 Peter 4, 1 through 6. So if you can get out your Bibles or maybe get that version Bible app out, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 6. But before we jump into that text, we need to talk about two things. The first is water. Water, H2O. If you remember a couple months ago, it's okay if you don't remember, I'm going to remind you, but a couple months ago I, I talked about the seas and the oceans in Scripture and how many times the deep seas and the oceans in Scripture represent chaos. So in the creation narrative, there's this, um, this deep sea, this chaos, and then in the book of Revelation, we have this interesting text where John the Revelator says, um, the new heaven and new earth, there was no longer any sea. There was no longer any sea, and that kind of is confusing, right? Does that mean there's not any lakes or, or you know, oceans or anything like that? And, and we kind of talked about a couple months ago how, no, he's not saying that. He's saying in the new heaven and new earth, there will no longer be any chaos. It's um, such good news for us. And so that is the deep seas and the oceans, but we're talking about water this morning. And water is very different than chaos in Scripture. It's, it's something very different than that. Water many times represents a cleansing, a purifying, a start of something new. And so also in the creation narrative, we have the separation of waters and vegetation and life begins to uh, start to mold together and all those amazing things. And we know that it's this new start. And then throughout Scripture, with uh, the crazy story of, of Noah's ark and all those things, water, this cleansing, this purifying, and then the best biblical image we have of water cleansing and bringing new life, right, a new start, is um, when the Israelites passed through the Red Sea in Exodus. And you know the story if you've seen the Prince of Egypt. Um, side note, I brought up the Prince of Egypt in front of my high school kids couple weeks ago, and none of them had seen the Prince of Egypt. And I was hurt by that, because it's a classic. Um, but if you've seen Prince of Egypt, or if you've read the Exodus narrative, you know that this is a huge moment for the people of God. They're on the shores of the Red Sea. They're fleeing from uh, captivity from the Egyptians, and Pharaoh and his army are bearing down on them. And they don't have a way out, but then God makes a way, and he parts the seas. And they go through on the other side. And so it's this walking through the waters, this new start. This leaving captivity and sin and the bondage of slavery behind. And so water um, helps us with that. And and, and ultimately we get to, as Christians, we look at baptism. This amazing symbolism and and means of grace for us of baptism um, 
and water, right? We're dunked in, and the, and the old ways of living are washing off as we're raised to new life in Christ. It's a new start. And so I want us to be thinking about um, water this morning as we jump into the, the text. The author of Hebrews uh, 10.22 says this, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Water. The second thing before we jump into the text this morning is fear. Fear, dun dun dun. Edmund Burke once said this about fear. No power so effectively robs the mind of all its powers of acting and reasoning as fear. And church, you know this is true. Um, as individuals, but collectively, we have done some awful things and some stupid things out of fear. Yes? Some really terrible and, and devastating things all over our world has been done out of fear. And so Peter is writing this letter to a people who are afraid. And so he's writing to, him, writing to them to encourage them and, and, and refocus their faith and saying, hey, remember who you are. Don't get caught in the fear around you, but cling to Christ. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God does not give us the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self Control. Church, we know that, hey, we are not supposed to operate out of fear. We're not. So talking about water and fear, let's jump into 1 Peter 4, 1 through 6 this morning. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regards to the body, but living according to God in regard to the spirit. Point number one, write this down, or maybe, you know, for the three of you that are taking notes, a transforming event, a transforming event. Verse number one, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. So the first verse that, that we see Peter right here to um, the followers of Jesus is he's, it's so connected to the metaphor of baptism. The symbolism of baptism, entering into Christ's suffering and how it changes us. And so we think of that transforming event of Jesus on the cross and we're on our way towards that in this Lent season and the resurrection happens. But so we surrender our life to Jesus and then we're baptized, and it's this way to enter into Christ's suffering and leaving the old behind and entering into new life. And I love how Peter says, we are done with sin. We are done with sin. And church, can we just say that this morning? We're done with sin. We don't want to be a part of it anymore. And to heal from our hang-ups and, and to lean into this transforming event we are no longer a part of the old ways of living, the old values, the dysfunction, the fear. 
We don't want it anymore. We want Christ and his goodness, and we want to lean into the transforming event on the cross and then the resurrection. And so, um, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? I hope you have surrendered your life to Jesus. And if you have, then hopefully you've been baptized. And if you haven't been baptized, email somebody on staff because we want to get you baptized. It's a really cool means of grace that we think about this morning. Point number two, an emancipating moment. An emancipating moment. Verse two says this, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So we have this transforming event, but we know it, it transforms us, but it also emancipates us. It's a, it's a setting of free, it's a freedom that we find in Jesus. And in church, I really want us to hear this this morning, is that because of what Christ has done, we are a free people. I don't know if you feel free this morning, but you are free in Christ. And so from those hang-ups and those things in the past that maybe hold us down, they don't define who we are. Christ and his freedom over our lives does. Luke talks about Jesus' mission for setting people free in Luke 4, 16 through 21. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as it was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll from the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today this, is, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then, you know, they try to kill him, and he slips away. But Jesus says, a freedom for the prisoners, sight to the blind, and set the oppressed free. Jesus is the great liberator. He frees us, from the bondage of sin. We're no longer tied to our old self, but we are free. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, we are a free people in Christ. And so church, I want you to hear that this morning. Let it, let it sink in and grab a hold of that freedom that Christ offers us. But not only do we have a freedom in Christ, which absolutely... Absolutely we do. But we are called to be people, people who also set others free. We're called to join Christ in setting others free. And this happens in big and small ways, right? Um, we've been talking about partners a little bit this morning and, and world vision, and we're excited about that. And, and another partner that's so awesome is, uh, is Saving Innocence at our church that we partner with, Saving Innocence. And um, if you know Saving Innocence, you know that they fight sex trafficking and they get the women out of those evil, crazy systems and then they come alongside them and love them. It's an amazing representation of setting people free. And I'm so thankful that we can be a part of that at Montrose Church. So there's big ways to help the oppressed go free. And also individually on a daily basis, there's little ways where we can be ambassadors of Christ's freedom in our day-to-day -day life. John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. 
Church, you are a free people this morning. Christ has set you free from your hangups, from your burdens, from those things that hold us back, the fear. Just as the Israelites passed through the Red Sea, they left the old ways, the slavery, the captivity, the bondage behind them. And that's the calling for us this morning. Point number three, an awakened understanding. Verse three says this, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. So we have this transforming event and we know that it sets us free. It's an emancipating moment, but then we have an awakened understanding. We have a new lens in which we see the world. When I talk to young people about living for Jesus, um, I always tell them, hey, following Christ is not about rules. It's not about rules. It's not about checking the boxes of what Christians should or shouldn't do. That's not what it's about. It's about a relationship with Jesus and loving others to the best of our ability. But, I always say this, this, this right here, but as Jesus followers, because Christ wants what's best for us, there are some things that we don't do. There should be some things as Jesus followers that we don't engage with because we have this awakened understanding. Because here's what I'm convinced of, Christ, is that a life in pursuit of Jesus is the very best life. It's the best life. And Christ wants what's best for us. So he doesn't want us to live in brokenness and, and continue to have those consequences um, all over our lives. He wants the best for us. And so I tell young people that, and I'm telling all of us uh, this morning that, hey, Christ wants what's best for us. So yeah, there's going to be some things that we don't do because it breaks relationships. The old life is tempting at times, but Christ has what's best for us. And we want that transforming grace that he offers. We want to leave the hangups behind. So we have this awakened understanding, this new lens in which we see the world. Point number four, in anticipated opposition. Verse four says, as they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. So Peter is talking to these early Jesus followers saying, hey, you will get pushback. You will get abused. They won't understand why you do what you do. And church, this is, I mean, this is still so true today, right? People want validation even when they're doing crazy stuff. And so people don't understand when you're not living in sin and brokenness and you don't want to be a part of that. And the question is why? Why? Because, and I'll tell you why, because the kingdom of God operates so much differently than the kingdoms of our world. And the economy of grace that we're called to be a part of as Jesus followers operates so much differently than the economy of our world. The world operates transactionally. Hey, you get what you deserve. You hurt me, and I'm going to hurt you back. You punch me, and I'm going to punch you back. You say something wrong on Facebook, and ooh, I'm going to blow you up in the comments. Right? That's how our world operates. But church, as Jesus, people, we are not called to operate in that way. We're not. 
We're called to turn the other cheek. We're, we're, we're called to take a hit, turn the other cheek, and take another hit. Sounds crazy, right? It is, but it's the calling. And we're called to love everyone, everyone, even our enemies. And that sounds a little bit crazy, doesn't it? And it is, but it's the calling over Christ's people. That's the calling. We don't operate as the world operates. So there's going to be some pushback, but we have to keep going. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. People won't get it, church. People won't get it, but we're trying to get healing from our hangups. We're trying to leave them behind. And so we have to keep going. Christ did. People didn't understand Jesus in his time. He kept switching things up and showing way too much grace and love and mercy and and eating with people that he shouldn't have been eating with. And ultimately, it got him killed. But the calling is to keep going as Christ's followers despite the opposition. Point number five, an ultimate accountability. Verse five and six. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but living according to God in regard to the spirit. This is kind of an odd text kind of an odd text. And scholars are all over the place. Thanks a lot, scholars. Um, but, but Dave's helped me with this one a lot. And, and kind of what we can glean from this, uh, these couple verses is that God is a God of justice and accountability. He is. And so many times in our world, we don't see the accountability and justice being played out uh, like, we, like we think it should. But as Jesus followers, we have to remember that God will make things right. He is the God of justice. And this connects with the scripture here, but there was this early expectation in the early church that Christians wouldn't die until the kingdom of God had come in its fullness, and there actually is a verse that that speaks about this. But as we know, they would die, and Paul actually talks about this in one of his letters, but Peter is simply saying to those um, who heard the gospel and died is that they are now in the hands of a loving God who will keep them accountable. And so I don't want us to get lost in these final two verses, but what I do want us to know is that, hey, we don't have superpowers. We're not called to be the Avengers or the Revengers or anything like that. We're called to keep going. We're called to stand up for justice, but ultimately let God be God and let him and his accountability um, live out. Church, we need healing for our hangups. We need healing for our hangups. And I don't know what you're bringing to this place, but as I said in the beginning, this is the right place. Because we want to be transformed. We want to be transformed by the cross and the resurrection. And we want to be set free, and we are set free. And so I pray we can live into that freedom this morning. And as we go from this place, but not only are we free, but we are given a new lens in which to see the world. So there is going to be some things we say no to. And there is going to be some things we say yes to. 
right? Good things, things that bring about forgiveness and beauty and all those things. We're going to say yes to that. Yes, 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 as Jesus followers. But there's some things that we are probably going to say no to because they're going to break relationships and they're going to cause pain and consequences. And Christ wants what's best for us. And along the way, we're going to have a little opposition. We are, but we have to keep going. We have to keep going and let God be God at the end of all of it. Um, I want to just say this verse I uh, said over all you this morning again. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. As we're on this journey of healing, church, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, can we hear that this morning? Can we lean into that? I want to invite the, the band. Come on up, guys. It's been a little bit of a crazy week here at Montrose Church, you know. As you know, Scotty kind of updated us, but we want to keep praying for Dave and his mom and the situation and all that. And um, I'm excited to, to be able to jump in here and say a few words. Um, the church, as we're on this Lent journey, um, I pray that this would be a time of healing for us. After a crazy 2020, that we could just slow down and just breathe in Jesus and his healing for our lives. Whether it's big or small things, I pray that we could just lean into his healing touch over all of us today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Because church, Jesus wants what's best for us. He does. He does. So I'm praying that we can hear that this morning. We want healing from those hang-ups. We don't want to be the same. We want to be a new people in Christ. So if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. In church, you are free. You are free. Let me pray for us, and then we'll get out of here. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for just uh, this quick time we have to open up your scripture and dive into what think you're saying to us this morning. And God, can we lean into your transforming event 2,000 years ago on the cross? And God, the resurrection, Easter Sunday, we're on our way. And God, can we, can we lean into that transforming event, but can we also know that it sets us free? It does. And now we have an awakened understanding, God. And we have to keep going Keep going, church. We're not going to be perfect, but we have to keep going. God, thank you for the, uh, all the people tuning in. Would you bless them, God? Bless them, bless them, surround them. Help them know that you love them so much. And you do want what's best for them. So would you give them peace as they go uh, about their Sundays? And, and, and God, the rest of their week, would you uh, just give them peace and encouragement and energy and all those things? And God, be with uh, Dave and his mom and the situation there, God. Uh, we're thinking of our pastor this morning. God, thanks for... for
Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.